What's up, everybody? It's your guy, Jerron Eitner, here again with Ash Bridges doing another episode of Impossible Colors, our somewhat weekly podcast um, where we talk about film, perspective, being black, et cetera, so forth. Yo, yo. Just the world in general. How you doing, Ash? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. We won. We won, everybody. We made it happen. We all came together and we made it happen for the first time in history. America, or at least my, my state, has come together and made history. Proposition 207 is passed. I don't know who the president is. I don't really care. And even if it's not who I want, Proposition 207 will help me deal with it. Yeah, uh, it's, it's interesting with the whole Prop 207 because a lot of people on my timeline on Facebook are really angry about this. Most of my friends are drug dealers. Um, <laughs> and then my one of my friends, they like bringing shot to him. He made a post saying, like, look, like, I get all these street heads are upset about the fact that, you know, weed is legal now, so prices are going down. But if you're really about your business and this is your passion to sell weed, then you should be trying to legitimize your shit anyways, right? At this age, yeah. Yeah, you, sh- you shouldn't be 35, 37 years old selling fucking grams for 10 bucks when you can be having a dispensary. Or growing your own stuff and like you know really branding yourself and turning into a really great opportunity. Well, that's the you know that's that's the whole thing. Uh, what I was really proud of what Tyson was doing with his ranch. You know, I mean, obviously the guy loves to smoke. He's a connoisseur, but I think he just has. I think his his, his new management team. Whenever he started really rebuilding his career, they're killing it with that guy because he was always a great commodity. But it's like he just didn't really know how to do his business right. And, and he didn't, people didn't know how to market him. But the Tyson Wee Ranch, that's a great way to legitimize, you know, a lot of things. Like you're talking about the, your homies that are in the streets and whatnot. At my age, if I was in that game like that, I would definitely want to have it into a dispensary or have my own strain or something like that. Like have my own... You know, something to do with a shop so I don't have to worry about the DEA kicking down my door, especially if I have kids. I mean, I just don't understand taking those kind of chances. At this For age. sure. It's Definitely. not worth it. It's not worth it. And it's funny you, you bring up Mike Tyson because, like, his his story's been incredible. I love I love Mike. I've always loved Mike Tyson, but where he's at right now. It's a great place. It's, 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 it's amazing. Did you watch the, the little boozy interview that he did? <laughs> <laughs> Man, and you know what? Little Boozy and I are the same age. So, you know, watching his reaction to some of Tyson's shit was priceless. But the way Mike Tyson just was like, I saw I saw you gay, you know? And it was a legitimate question. It was a legitimate question because in hit in, in the past, and come on, growing up, I know you know a lot of the cats that were very homophobic that were very aggressive when it came to that sort of thing. When you got a little bit older, you found out some of those dudes were actually kind of sweet. They just didn't know, they didn't know how to deal with it themselves. So instead of, you know, analyzing themselves in a, on an adult level, they lash out because of course, you know, you gotta be a man and the social taboo of homosexuality and whatnot. And then you wanna, you know, when you're talking about the image of a hardcore gangster <laughs> rapper, that's something that I doubt anybody in Bootsy's circle, his world, would ever ask him. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's like some kind of shit that would get you cut off from that dude if you asked him. It's interesting in general because when it comes to the homophobia, I always think about, or homophobia in the industry, I always think about the movie American Beauty um, with Kevin Spacey. Yeah. At the end, how like. His life story. Yeah, basically, yeah. just the ending in the movie, how you have like the the extremely homophobic dude who try to kiss him at the end, et cetera, yeah. so forth. And his he, his 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 latent urges were so strong it actually drove him to murder. Yeah, and that's a fear. It, it, I, I don't want to take this discussion too left, but you know, um, you know, as a black man in America, I, one of the things I really don't like is how they compare. You know, struggle to the black struggle yeah um i don't like that but i do understand the energy where you know i compare the woman's right struggle to the black struggle i think they have more similarities sure and historically sure because a lot of our advancements have been around the same time just in history well one of the things that when it comes to be homosexual in general it's something that's not worn on your skin well you like like my, you know like my, my girl she she looks very much like a woman she can't hide that right i'm black i can't hide that exactly but you don't know 
what her sexuality is and you can't tell mine. It's different. You know, like Bill Burr said, you know, <laughs> all these rights uh, get handed out first to people that were never slaves. I think it's interesting how, you know, and it's it, that's the whole thing. Let's. I'm just going to keep it real. I'm just going to keep it 100. This might piss off some people, but I think the reason why people get upset about it is because 400 years, these people have been waiting. Like we're talking about men and women. And a lot of times when you talk, when you have this conversation, <clears throat> gay people, they feel like they're black gay people. So they're excluded from the conversation. It's like, no, you're not. If you're black, you're a part of the conversation. So your rights are our rights. It doesn't matter what you're fucking. If you're black, then you're black first before you gay. Sorry, that's that's just how the shit goes. For sure. <laughs> yeah, we're not yeah. we're not gonna start making up shit. Yeah. <laughs> so so I think that the problem is is that we've been fighting for centuries for basic human rights, and to see a group of people that pretty much started fighting for their rights. We're going to, you know, in the Harvey Milk years in the 70s mm -hmm. after the San Francisco uh, 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 rebellion. Yes. Um, that was about 40 years ago. So when you look at the comparative timeline, it's like a slap in the face. It's like when we're talking about Jackie Chan. It's like, bro, you made over like 60 movies, doc. You need you should you should have your own shit by now. But we're going to put you with this like up and coming comedian because we don't really trust you yet. You know, and it's like, OK, Gay people getting their rights faster and quicker than black people. I have no problem with gay people getting their rights, but it's almost like they do things out of spite in a way. It's like a slap in the face in a way. Well, Dave Chappelle talked about that in one of his stand-ups, the, the alphabet people. I remember that. Um, that pissed a lot of people off. It pissed off. a lot of people off. Yeah. But at the end I don't think they were really listening to what like, he was like saying. Said, I don't want to make this whole conversation about this because it, I, I don't, I'm not... It's a deep well. It's a deep well, and I'm not trying to strike any nerves, but you have a girlfriend, it, and so do I. So we were both kind of unqualified to talk without it, a third opinion. It really came down to Mike Tyson expressing that energy to to Little Boozy because of the fact that this is a common thing, especially yeah. especially amongst Black culture um, and hip hop. The the idea of homophobia, the word faggot, was extremely popular in hip hop not even ten years ago. Yeah, it um, only that just barely changed. Yeah, and you know, you look at an artist like Eminem who you know, kind of made that word extremely pop popular and mainstream. And it wasn't in a nice way. And it wasn't in a nice way at all. And, but that word was something that I was, that was constantly used. Um, I think it'd be up DMX. You know, he's considered to be one of the greatest rappers of all time, depending on who you ask. No, but. I've had to have friends check me on that word because it became such a common part of language For that sure. I didn't even really think about how derogatory it was. Yeah. Because to me, like, you know, it's like kind of like how we talk about the N-word and debate how we're using it. You know, my thing is when I when I scientifically explained how I use the word faggot, I always compared it to a bundle of sticks, which is what a faggot is. And if we're in the woods, no matter what you're into, and we got to make a fire, you need to pick up your bundle of sticks. And if you're not picking up your share of firewood, you're being a faggot to me. So to me, it was never an insult based upon sexuality, more so you're lacking in your manhood. You're lacking in your, like, it doesn't matter if you're gay or not. Like, my boss in the Navy was gay. Dude would run circles around me on the ship. Like, he knew his job. He taught me how to do everything I know how to do. Right. So it's just about carrying your weight. <clears throat> but as I got older, I was like, nah, bro. It's like, look, if, is, a white man can say, well, I meant to word nigger like this. Nah, bro, I don't really care how you meant it. So if you if you're gonna be that if, if if you know that word touches your soul when someone that you don't want to say it says it, why am I saying it? Why why do I get a pass? For sure, it's about empowering things too because I think about it um, when it comes to the word word nigger like or nigger how you decide to say it depending on what color you are. Um, black people took that word and made it their own, right? And I'm not that in tune into the, the, gay, the gay culture, but I don't see them doing that with words like faggot. No, no, it's, it's not something they find cool. Right. Um, and I mean, that that's once again, it's kind of steering off topic, but a lot of this has to do with perception, which kind of ties into the, the idea of impossible colors, the podcast. Right. And the fact that if we take the words, these negative derogatory words and we empower them, right? then it's all of a sudden they're cool, right? Now now white people want to say the word nigga, et cetera, so forth. It becomes a whole debate. You don't see that ha happening in in the whole, in, uh, homophobic or homophobia with, with terms of being, people being homophobic well, and also in terms of like gay you culture don't, in general. You don't see that in other cultures, period. We're the only culture 
that calls each other derogatory shit on a daily basis. You don't see Chinese people calling each other chinks. You don't see Mexicans calling each other wetback. You don't see Israelis calling each other kikes just to be cool. So you have to look at it like that. When you really look at how it's like, wait a minute, is it really cool though? Because everybody else ain't doing it but us. You know what I'm saying? Like, why? No, I agree. I, I think about my usage of it. I use it a lot. So do I. Um, but I just I just say it to keep my teeth white. But it's also kind of like a character that I use. Like, I don't really use it in most conversations. I would use it with you in a conversation. I would use it ironically on Facebook when I'm talking about dumbass niggas doing shit, right? Whatever. <laughs> it's you know what? There, there's a joke that I say on stage sometimes. I, I used to say, "I'll stop saying the word nigga when they stop making them." And that's real talk because there's some things that we can talk about as black people and as black men. And then there's types. There's a time where we got to talk about like, this is some nigga shit. <laughs> this is going to be some, 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 some street shit, some ignorant shit. Like it's some nigga shit. Yeah. It's not a productive black male talk. You know, Ooh. niggas don't make podcasts, bro. Niggas still use Zoom. It's funny because I was sitting there thinking, telling, talking to my girl, like my girlfriend. She's she's white and it happens and, and Jewish, and so, oh, double whammy. Yeah, so we have a lot of conversations about race. You ever hoist around in a chair? I, I was I was explaining to her the the power of the UPN shows hitting, um, hitting Netflix and the importance of that mm. because these were a lot of wholesome black shows that didn't rely on stereotypes. on stereotypes and like using the word nigga and things like that to, to sell. Do you remember uh, a dude from Hustle and Flow? Hey, man. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, War Machine from the first oh, Iron uh, Man. Terrence Howard, yeah. Dog, do you remember on UPN, the lawyer show with James Avery, uh, 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 Terrence Howard, and... Um, it was one more dude. I know what you're talking about. And they about. had their own firm and shit. Bro, that dude. I was and I you know, it's like when you see cats from back in the day grinding from that long ago, and then you see him finally get that ball, you're like, you're so proud of him. And, and then that, you hear about him beating his wife. I know, yeah, on like UPN they had like one of my favorite shows on UPN was Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Oh yeah, Mr. Like, Cooper, dude. That show is so wholesome. Wholesome it's shit. a wholesome ass show about like a former basketball coach like hanging out with his black family. Like, yeah, great show. That's and wasn't Cuba Gooding Jr.'s brother in that show? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, Omar Gooding. Yeah, he made that shit. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah. on there too. Um, ah, man, they had some really good scenes. And that's where Omar Gooding really got his acting chops, man. He's a very underrated, uh, underrated actor. He is. And I think that like... <clears throat> he killed Baby Boy. Going back to like what I was saying in terms of like this perception in the media, like... It's so funny because that, and that, that's why I'm so happy about the UPN shows because now like all these white people are sitting at home watching these shows, right? Or at least maybe hopefully, right? And they like, they drop those for us, but like it's hopefully part of the way of changing the perception of us being more than just niggas who shoot each other. Well, you know, I feel that you know I, I have a I have a duality about that. I mean, it's great to see those shows again, but in a way, I kind of lament them because that shit was 20 years ago. True. It's like, where's our new generation? Well, you have Blackish, but that's one show, dog. We're talking about a whole I, network. I mean, I could, we could do a whole episode of Blackish, but well, I mean, but I'm just saying, like Black Hollywood in the '90s, it was lit, bro. There was just more room for everybody, and there was just there was just more markets. And now it's like you got one hit show, you got one hot comedian, you know, one person gets to do something. It's not like every <clears throat> there's so many great comedians besides Kevin Hartman that don't even get roles. For sure. And black African-American men are not getting roles. All these dudes are from fucking Australia and Africa. Even even the cast of fucking uh, uh, goddamn Lovecraft country. You know what I'm saying? Mostly African. Yeah. They're not hiring us. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I feel that it's even more important now that we make our own shit. I mean, you look at someone like Jordan Peele, but you don't. we don't have a lot of, a lot of those. Man, let me... Dog, Aries Spears talked about Jordan Peele, and I'm going to go ahead and be the devil's advocate. Okay. Right. Now, I don't agree with any of this, mind you. I'm just going to say that for the record. <clears throat> but it's worth discussing. For sure. Um, Jordan Peele, he, in Aries Spears, he put, it, he put it like this. I didn't just talk to you like a black. He was like, they were cool, but they didn't hang out with niggas, man. 
You know, they were cool with the white boys. They didn't hang out with niggas. And they only dated white girls. Like, they didn't even really know how to be around niggas. But, you know, at the same time, like, it's like they didn't they didn't hang out with niggas, but they studied niggas to make their show. You know what I'm saying? And now he's the it guy. And he's popular. But when it was back in the day, you couldn't be around us. And now, you know, this, most of his cast picks aren't American black people. They're exotic African black people. Yeah, that's true. So is that a form of self-hate or is that just casting? I don't know. It gets deep when it's you talk about it because, you know, you look at his wife, Chelsea Peretti, who's, you know, a great actress, but she's white. And, you know, movie like Get Out, I have a white girlfriend. She and it's so funny because the, the lead in that role looks almost exactly like my fucking girlfriend. We went to go see Get Out. She was terrified because she's like, oh, my God, her like name is Rose and like her middle name. She was freaking out at like, the connection that she was having. Yeah. And she was she after the movie, she was just like, you know, uh, I just hope you never think that I'm trying to do that to you. And I'm like, no, of course not. But yeah, I still love him but, watch Get Out with Jamie. And, and, and what's, the, what's, what's brilliant about that movie, but what ties into what, what you're saying is that he's highly aware of how people perceive him. Yeah. But one of the issues that I have, and I was actually going to bring this up before you went on to talk about that, was I think part of the reason, and the, the motherfucker I blame for the state of the black industry in terms of like leading man is actually Dave Chappelle. Now, he get, get it. He's not a black leading man, mm-hmm. but him walking away from that deal and fucking up Comedy Central's money put, it a, fucked bit, up the uh, game. put a bad taste in this blackness. <laughs> There's a story about there's a story about what fucked up Black Hollywood back in the seventies, I think it was. I can't remember the actor's name, man. But they gave this black dude the bag, you know, they gave him the bag, serious one, like a couple movie deal, a contract and shit, and just gave him out front pay, you know, so he could like get his movie star on. Uh and this dude like just ran off with the money, spent it on a bunch of dope and bitches and they couldn't mm-hmm. find him. So he perpetuated the stereotype that they thought they they gave him a shot. And that's basically how I see David Chappelle. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Chappelle. But I look at it from all perspectives, dude. I I consider myself personally, I'm a black man, but I think like an old Jew. I do. And I pride myself on that. Because if you're serious about your business, that's how you think. It's always about the bottom line. And at the end of the day, no matter how much you like somebody, no matter how cool they are, it's business. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I've, I've lost a lot of good friends just due to bad business. Same here. And Same here. at the end of the day, no matter how you spit it, no matter how much you love Dave Chappelle, and no matter how much you love the Chappelle show, he did bad business. Yeah. He you walked know, away from a $50 million contract and abandoned an entire set of people. And so now... when we can have me share this as well. Oh, yeah. And now I'm talking about how you're not you're seeing all these other funny comedians, and they only, they're only getting Kevin Hart. It's because Kevin Hart's reliable and he brings back their money. But going back to the Jordan Peele thing, so, you know, after Chappelle left, you had this massive void where we had Carlos Mencia and all these motherfuckers trying to fill that spot. Yeah, that was... And the only ones who came close were Key and Peele. Yeah. But Key and Peele had to put in that work. Like, what, seven, eight seasons? It took two light-skinned dudes to make one Chappelle. Basically. And they had to put in seven seasons before they got the respect and the money to do what they had to do. Yeah, and and when they got the money... The ideas were brilliant, brilliant because they could actually fund some of the crazier shit they wanted to do. Definitely. But the fact, their creativity, though, I mean, you got to give it to those dudes that have that level of creativity and to be able to pump out that much material that not only was funny, but man, there were some of those skits were like, damn, you know, that shit really went hit home. Like, I'll always appreciate Negro Town. That's one of my favorite skits. And, uh, it was like a musical. And so it's like, when it comes to Jordan Peele, like... He's attached to the blackness and he understands the struggle. But at the same time, there is a disconnect there because he... It's an obvious disconnect. Well, I think for us as black creators, we've always wanted something that was our own, right? Right. But Jordan Peele, he basically played through the system to get to where he's at. Now, if Jordan Peele were to hear this right now, he'd be like, shut the fuck up. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And he'd be absolutely right. Yeah. But from my perspective, it's like, dog, you basically just played the game that Dave Chappelle wasn't willing to play. And look what Dave Chappelle's at now. He's fucking king of the world, in my opinion, because, you know, he took those 12, 12 years off, right? But he came back hard, like, and hella hard. What's what's great about Dave Chappelle is that he's created his own legend and legacy, and he's funded by himself. So he's exactly. say what you can't fire yeah, him. No, no type of, like, oversight <clears throat> over anything that he does. He has 100% complete control <clears throat> over what he does, and it's beautiful. Kean Pill, if you're Jordan Pill, if he says the wrong shit, they'll take away the Twilight Zone. They'll take away his next movie. Like, as long as they have something to give you, you always work for them. And you notice, and this is not a knock for those who are Jordan Peele fans, but you notice he was suspiciously quiet during recent events, you know what I'm saying? He did do a movie like Get Out, and then you don't speak on you know, 
BLM and all this stuff. So and see, that's 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 my problem because I don't I don't just I don't I don't make a plane, Doc. They always use us to exploit us, you know, like a Candace Owens. They'll use a black face to be a talking head. And so it's like it, it's pushing their agenda, but it's never really our agenda. It's never really our people. It's never really our story. It just looks like us because it's marketable. I don't know. I, I, it's, it's like you, you look at Get Out. He funded that shit himself and he got it out himself. But it's like once it hit a certain level of popularity it like once it hit mainstream i should say it wasn't his movie anymore right it became like a uh this like a uh, study guide for black people and our and how we think and things like that and then he became that guy exactly and that's like kind of where it's like i absolutely agree with what you're saying going back to the area spears thing where it's like you know he doesn't have a explicit connection to what it means to be black in this country at least from my perspective Right. Yeah. Like, but he does have perspective for sure. I'm well, sure I mean, he's dealt with plenty it's of like, hey, I, I see it as a, I see it as a, a case of willful ignorance, dude. You know, because you, you okay when you, it's like this, and I think every black person experiences it at some point in their life, no matter what shade you are. Right. If you have white friends, especially growing up in Arizona, <clears throat> you grew up in Tucson. If you have white friends, you realize like, you know, if you, cause I grew up in the hood, you know, I grew up in the VGs of 43rd and Thomas. So whenever I'd hang out with my white friends, there's obviously a definite difference <laughs> to how cats live. She was just nicer and shit, you know? And it was like, damn, this is like kind of an escape, you know, for, for, for a couple hours and shit. And then, you know, you, as you get older, you know, you realize that those worlds expand as you get older and you can't just hop back and forth to your friend's world like you used to. No, you know, at all. At all. Or at all. Yeah. And so some cats, they feel like, man, if I make this, if I cross over, I get to stay in this world. But once you go into that world, you can't come back to this one. You know what I'm saying? I think that's actually brilliant about that episode of Lovecraft County, or I guess it was kind of like a plot line with uh, Ruby turning white. No, that was crazy. And that was crazy. low key, as I talk about this, that's kind of a metaphor for Keen Pill's career, at least Jordan Pill's career. Oh, totally. Dude. Like the idea that he, that, you had to conform to be white to, to get into society, but at some point you realized you had to break your shell and do a movie like Get Out, right? Right. But I, I mean, it's kind of powerful when I think about it in, in hindsight, but like at the same time, it's like Jordan Peele has put himself in a very compromising position where he is now considered to be the, the, the black voice for black horror. And he's never asked for that. No, it was just something he wanted to do. Exactly. <laughs> when you come out with a film like Get Out, right? That's just like, not, I wouldn't even just call it politically charged. It just had a lot of um, racial tension. As racial tension was the fucking theme of the movie. That was the right. horror of it, right? And if you saw Lovecraft Country, you saw the racial tension was scarier than the supernatural shit. Right. It just works. And it, going what's, back to like, what's scarier than reality? Like, like I said, like Jordan Peele, I didn't see him speak much on Black Lives Matter or George Floyd or any of the things that were happening. Well, and I, that's the point, I guess, that I I, 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 I forgot about that I wanted to make, where it's like you'll exploit the situation but and you'll like you'll make money off of the situation but you won't be a real voice of the situation i think i feel that first of all i feel that being the black male it's not just a race it's a responsibility it's a responsibility for sure there's a definitely, lot of, there's yeah. a lot on our backs every single one of us definitely we like, a lot of pressure to be great yeah, yeah if you if you want to walk that path and some dudes can't take it so i can understand why some cats get lost in the streets or whatever because when you really understand if you want to be somebody this is how good you have to be yeah this is you have to stand out among all these other people and you have to you have to have a good reason to i always think about um have you played the the, the second south park game yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, the difficulty level is chosen by the instinct of your skin color <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's exactly like that it really is like yeah it's harder level but you know there's there's benefits for that and it sounds this is going to sound kind of wild but like one of the goals of being black in America is to become a commodity and become that rare black diamond in the in the rough, right? Yeah. Um, that mindset is is a lot different from uplifting all your people, right? Right. There's all this idea that we want shiny things, but in order to get shiny things, I have to take your shiny things, or I have to fucking shit on you to get my shiny well, things. Well, I think that the the problem. Of it all, and what it's always been, and what I uh, was talking to my friends about uh, the other day was that you can get rich in this country. It's easy 
if you want to get rich in this country, all you have to do is just learn the art of exploiting people's time. That's for sure. Because money is simply people, power, and time. Yeah. That's money. And so if you can exploit people, you can get rich. And I think black people, we've always been... Other other cultures have no problem with this. Asians exploit each other until they get their money right. Right? If you get off the boat and you land in Chinatown, you work in a kitchen like a dog for about three, four years. After that... You got your own restaurant, probably. You got your own place. You slowly work your way up into the social economic ladder. Definitely. But they give you a place to land first. You see? They give you a place to land first because they have infrastructure. That's the thing that black people, we can't do for ourselves because we have no infrastructure. And also, we don't have that self-love to take care of each other like that because we don't really understand. We spend so many generations destroying our own neighborhoods. We, we don't understand the power of actually protecting and providing for our neighborhoods and how easy it uh, is. It's a double-edged sword because I think of like, you know, events like Rosewood in Tulsa and all these tragic events where there are signs of us trying to be greater and trying to be But greater. there's a trauma of it, man. It's just like I told you with the monkey, pulling down the monkey on the ladder, trying to get the banana. It's the, 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 the test, you know, yeah. and spraying it with the hose. It's, it's... <sighs> It's like this fear of black, black, black success and it's put us in a battleground. We, it's almost like a civil war with black people, you know, because you got people trying to get their money right, black excellence, fitness and all that. And then you got niggas. And niggas don't really care about what you're trying to do. They don't care about, if, if, it's in the, if you're in the neighborhood with niggas, you're gonna have problems, dude. So we can't have nice shit. No, I agree with that. And I... It's, it, it sucks. It sucks a lot. Because it's it's a real talk, thing. Talk about like you know, <clears throat> uplifting black lives, and I think about that, and it's like I know a lot of black lives that don't want to be uplifted. They don't want to hear that shit. And they don't want to hear that shit. And, they, and a lot of that has to do with the genetic trauma and the idea that my dad got fucked, and well, his dad got fucked, so I guess I'm getting fucked too, right? Yeah, and um, I'm gonna get it however I live. Right, and you're in the way. I'm just gonna figure it out. Yeah. And that's that's a mentality that I've kind of dealt with my entire life that I realized like maybe maybe six years ago and I was like, you know what, like I'm not controlled by my past, which I think is one of the biggest things about being black in America is that we are really dictated by our past, which is why I do get annoyed by things like Lovecraft Country, because it's like constant reminders of things that I already know. Right. Um, when it's like we could be exploring the space episode more, right? Exactly. But instead we're like exploring a whole ass episode about Tulsa and watching black people burn. It's like, ah. Oh, back to this. Now I'm sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We went, we had one episode where it's like, oh, wow, wonder. Like, dude, I almost, I almost teared up because I think we had this conversation years ago or when we both agree and it's like, bro, I just want to see niggas in space. Yeah. And when I finally saw her floating in the, the background was amazing. You know, they spent that money. HBO spent that money on that episode, you know? Yeah. And I was like, and it was just like, this is what I want. And then the next episode is just like back to black people getting beat by white folks. We call nigger and shit. It's like, man, <sighs> reminders. And I think about it, I, this is me like kind of like emphasizing with white people who deal with this shit. Cause like all my white friends, for the most part, there might be a couple of y'all that I don't know about, but they're not racist. You know what I'm saying? I'm some of their closest friends and they have, we all they have black friends that we don't really fucking really deal with racism. And I can say, I can say the but same. But they have to deal with that, their past too. Right. The same way that it's thrown in our face all the time. Yeah. It's thrown in their face all the time. Well, right? what I always say to my, to my, my decent white friends, as I call them, right? Right. <laughs> I always say, man, it must be so hard for you right now to be like a decent white person and like everyone <laughs> hates you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's why I say to my homies, like, man, like, you're my boy, dog. Like, I, I don't even really get it's it. like, I know you. You're I don't cool. put you in that category. Yeah, man. I, I think about like the, the meme that had, uh, like, it showed like uh, Wesley Snipes. Uh, I forget from what movie it's from. He's from. He's in the car. And he's like crying and shit, holding the gun, and it oh, says that. Oh, that's New um, Jack City, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, brother. yeah, New Jack City. Yeah, exactly. Thank yeah. you. And um, Rooftop it talks scene. about how um, they got to kill all the white people in the race war, but then it showed Tony Hawk. It's like, oh no, Tony Hawk's good. 
You know yeah, <laughs> like a lot of friends are Tony Hawk, man. Like that, nah, he's cool as shit. Like, nah, no, it's like when you when you get really real about this shit, you don't want to. Re- like that dude, as a black man in America, dude, I love white people. You're not gonna get me to kill Steve O, bro. That's not gonna happen. Facts. I'm not gonna shoot Letterman, bro. I'll shoot you before I shoot right. Letterman. Like for real, he's a goddamn legend. And, and a lot of it has to do with us. No, we're just gonna run up in Steve Martin's house for real. That's what and, we're doing. And, and it all comes <laughs> down to us being attached to our past. Because even what we're seeing right now with this fucking election. And like mm. all these motherfuckers flying this Confederate flag and, and making America great again. And the racial pandering on both sides. And the racial pandering on both sides. It's all about our past, right? right. Why is Pelosi kneeling in a fucking kente cloth reminding me that I'm African? Bitch, I know. <laughs> like, I see that shit every day that, when I look, look in the mirror. Like, Pelosi and all those Democrats wore the kente clothes and then took a knee. <laughs> that was literally the most politically embarrassing shit I'd ever and seen in, in my life. History. Like, that's, that that's, shit that's, made me cringe, dude. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, they all dress like white extras from Black Panther. No, that was real. Nah, nah, that wasn't a meme. That shit actually happened. Yeah, and then right. they immediately took that shit off and <laughs> they probably burned that shit in the bonfire. It, it was, it's the such out. a pandering move, and it's like I don't understand why I have to be constantly. Oh no, it's great, dude. Little, 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 little pump, little pump. Uh, uh, little pimp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was doing a line for Trump, and Trump was like, "Yeah, hey, little pimp is here." Doesn't even know his fucking name. That was great. Um, no, nah, but what's great is um, to those that know, to those that know, the veil is being lifted. The polarities are shifting. Everything's changing. If you if you know what you're looking at, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And so you know it, it's a wild ride. But I think that um, you should relax. People should relax, and we should focus on making good art and really helping people navigate through the madness that's actually coming their way. And that's the whole point of good good films. I think that people need to understand how important artists are right now. Super like, important. And that's, that's part of the reason why we're making our movie and yeah. making the subsequent movies and Black Fist and all this other stuff because... It has to be made um, now. Y'all motherfuckers are sitting at home listening to this podcast, watching our films, watching everything, just consuming everything right now in the middle of the pandemic. Like, we're keeping you guys sane right now. Pretty much. And... Um, I don't want to just be reminding people about my blackness. I just want to tell awesome stories. Yeah. Um, and I think the bond is an awesome story. Um, I think everything that we're trying to do is awesome. And I think there's a lot of people out here who are trying to do that. And now's the time to strike because Netflix is struggling. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they just raised prices. You know what I'm saying? Like they didn't hit their mark in terms of subscribers because at the end of the day, well, part of it was the cutie situation, but a lot of it had to do with the fact that people are consuming content at such a rapid rate right now. Motherfuckers are sitting at home and bitch watching fucking Stranger Things and shit like that. Like, we're so needed. We're so valuable right now. And especially as people of color making stuff right now that we can tell authentic stories that are original that aren't, that isn't fucking Fast and the Furious 9 and that we're not playing bit parts and what, as like stereotypical characters. What it really is what Byron Allen is fighting for. You can't have other people control your narrative. You can't have other people tell your story. We owe it to ourselves as black people to be in charge of our stories. For sure. When you're owned by a company or another label, whatever it is, at the end of the day, they're going to be like, change this. We need you to do that. That's why I knew Black Fist had to be independent. Because if I sold Black Fist to Netflix, Black Fist would play by a white dude come next fall. And I would have to shoot myself in the head. <laughs> On some <laughs> David Carradine shit. For real. Blackfish star, Zac Efron. He was raised by a pack of wild niggas. <laughs> Mel Gibson plays his father. <laughs> For real, though. For reals. That's like, not even For like reals. a joke, though, because that's exactly what would happen. Eventually. For reals. Or they would find a way to, 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 you know. You got Wonder Woman playing Cleopatra. They don't give a fuck. You know, and I get it. You know what I'm and, saying? You look, and, at, you look at America's cross-section, like, racially, like, we're, what, like, 20% of the fucking population. So, white people. Yeah, it's not a majority. huge demographic to appeal to, but my thing is, if you're going to tell our stories, use us and get it right. Mm-hmm. That's why I was proud of Black Panther, even though we didn't get any of that money, but they still use black people to make it. But I would, like I told Jamie, we'll see who they use for part two and how thing of that is. And now that Chadwick would look his dead. And once that Disney machine gets a hold of it, how much do they really care on the sequel? And we're going to see. And the first I, Black I Panther is forever going to be a sacred movie in our hearts. Rest in peace, Chad. I'm not sure if we're going to get a second Black Panther. Nah, it might be some Disney Plus shit where you see Shuri in some episodes and some other shit with a white I think that's lead. what's going to end up happening. I think she's going to get Disney Plus. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. Because I think that, like, I don't know. It's too big of a lead to, to lose. To, to Disney, it's, it's, a, it's a risk. 
to not get it right. Well, I mean, whatever is going to happen, come on. Like, they took years to make Black Widow. So you see how Disney feels about women. So whatever they do with yeah. Black Widow, a, Sherry's going to get a lesser version of that. So if Black Widow doesn't get a theatrical release, then Shuri is definitely going to be, like, a supporting character on fucking... I don't know. No, you, you're probably right about that. It's kind of crazy that you mentioned that. The like, Soldier shit. Black I'm Widow talking. was kind of supposed to be the lead of the next phase. I mean, so I guess she still is, but um, yeah, that shit's fucked up now, bro. <laughs> that yeah, whole shit's fucked. Up. The whole industry's fucked up. It's amazing. Well, well, you know what's great? What, what's great is I, th- like I said, I just think it's a really good time to strike. It's a, it's a renaissance of original ideas without the structure that was created, the machine that we all wanted to be a part of when we were kids, and then we got older and realized, like, oh, that's the shit's not designed for you. Definitely. It's designed to rape you and then spit you out. Or probably just steal your ideas and not fuck with you at all. Or just keep you on the fringes long enough to get rich off of you and then leave you broken on heroin in the middle of Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. I mean, I think about like when I went viral with my Spider-Man script. and It was a good script. I, I, I wrote that Spider-Man script and I had like all my friends and family like on my jack. Like, oh, we're about to do this and shit. And I even talked to an agent about it. And the agent, I'm not going to say his name or say who he's from, but like I talked to this agent and he... he Read the script, gave you my opinion, and basically he was just like, "Bro, this ain't. You. If anything, like you fucked up by by releasing it, because now Disney's so powerful that they can just make this movie exactly yeah. like the way it is in their script, and then be like, ah, oh, whatever, right? You yeah, can, you can't fight the lawyers. Yeah, you, there's nothing you can do about it. Like your best bet was to keep that script to yourself and then give it to an agent to help you. Like, and I, I asked him, I was like. Is that just, like, the only way to really do it? Because, like, I feel like, you know, like, if, if people like it and I'm going viral and there's people saying that they want to see this movie made, wouldn't Disney be like, oh, man, this guy is a good writer? And it's like, no, they don't care about the writers. They care about the, your cool little story that you write. And that's what they do. They don't buy writers. They buy scripts. Right. When they buy a writer, they're buying the writer for the, the amount of scripts that he can write, not for the, his amazing brain. Exactly. So they don't give a shit about your story. All you do is just give him a free script. Yep. And I'm like, damn, damn, that's pretty shitty. But especially since, like, being black, some black random dude from Arizona, who the fuck am I? I'm not fucking Michael B. Jordan. You know what I'm saying? Like, they had no interest in well, me at all whatsoever. I feel like, uh, I'm great. Thanks. It's like, I, I feel like I, I just always wanted to take a Stallone route. And that's why I'm glad we can do this now before I'm, I get too old. Because, um, like, with Blackfish, you know, that's my baby. But, like, you know, when I originally wrote that, it started off as, uh, a Batman spinoff from a different perspective and then it turned into like a Punisher spinoff and like I said before I don't own this character and that's when I was like no let's, I want to create an original black character for our generation a black hero because I see all these movies and all this Marvel shit and yeah it's cool I mean I grew up a Marvel dude I love DC and Marvel man um, it's I mean it's a bit oversaturated at this point I mean I do love the geekdom that's come out but it's like Damn, 20 years of like being force fed this corporate fucking shit and they, they hardly ever get it right. And then when we do, when they do get it right, we lose our minds, but there's more, there's more losses than, than there's more misses and hits, I feel, with these movies and the formula's gotten old to me. We're seeing a lot of, it's redundant. I don't want to use the word overcompensation because I think I'll get E3 for that, but we're seeing a lot of compensation for that in terms of like, oh, we're making uh, Iron Man a black female now. And then we have Kamala Khan with Miss Marvel, and we have um, just other superheroes that aren't the way they were when they started, right? It feels like democratic pandering in my comics. It's the same thing as kneeling in the kente cloth. Not to, not to, I'm not shitting on Riri Williams for all you fucking female Iron Man fans. I think it's dope, but at the same time, you have to answer the why. It's the same reason why, you know, when BLM went down and I turn on my fucking Xbox and I see... I turn on Red Dead Redemption and the whole screen's black and it says Black Lives Matter. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that happened to me at one time when that chip was probably No, when they were doing the pandering thing for a couple months, right? On uh, Red Dead Redemption? Yeah. There's oh. not... Yeah. A game with no niggas in it. Yeah. That, that's, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, <laughs> what the fuck does this game have to do Man, with... Man, I bet white people were mad that day, bro. <laughs> Shit. And, which I guess is the point, right? I bet you at least one nigga shot his TV. But it's like... At least one dude shot his television. I, I thought, that's the exact thing I thought. I'm like... Man, I really like this game, but I think like the only black person at this game gets killed like fucking two thirds of the way through. Yeah, on some brutal shit. 
Like, what the fuck? Yeah. There ain't no black people in this fucking game. And I'm not saying that there has to be black people in the game for the game to fucking have a Black Lives Matter thing, but I'm saying, what the fuck is you doing? Like, you're pandering to me, to my skin color. Yeah. Once again, already bought your fucking game. You already what got your money. What is you doing? What are you getting out of this? I'm already an Iron Man fan. Why are you making her black? You're <laughs> I'm saying like Well, you know, you know the thing is I I feel like and I, this is the part that I don't really understand about the woke movement when it comes to like the corporate movements. Because it's like they're they're they don't want to lose their base and they don't want to lose money and they pander whether it's like with Ghostbusters and all, you know, all the, we've been seeing it for a couple yeah, years. Yeah, for sure. But None of these moves are making money. So I don't feel that it's even a financial thing. I think the agenda is deeper than finance. Because it's, it's frustrating, though, because if, it's like, why it, would you make Iron Man a female when you can just take that same female concept, right, and just make a brand new IP? Well, you, re, you bring up Ghostbusters, right, and they're, re, they're rebooting fucking Ghostbusters, which I'm cool with, but, you know, Why? Why not we just like one? Well, I'm cool. Thank you. But I just do something like I take a fresh idea. If you want to do like something with something hunting ghosts, you could do that. But like, it's like these ideas that we're attached to as just Americans or just people in general. Like we we get well, we're, we're so fond of nostalgia, and the, the, the problem with black nostalgia is that black nostalgia is oppression. But you watch a movie like Boys in the Hood, right? Yeah, I love Boys in the Hood. We all do. But that's a, that's black oppression, bro. Now, when you think about most classic black films, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Dude, let's go. Okay. Let's go ahead and just do a rough, easy top 10 of these are the top 10 movies that every black dude our age saw growing up. Sure. From what from what time period? Dog, we'll go from, um, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're both cinephiles, but I'm not going to include 70s shit. We'll, we'll, we'll include 80s to uh, 2000s. Okay. All right. My top 10. Uh, and this is not like the best or anything. Just an easy top 10 of movies that I know. If you're black, I know you've seen this shit. For sure. And if you haven't seen this shit, I got to spend two hours of my life and watch this shit with you because you're not black enough to be around me. Gotcha. All right. Boys in the Hood. Mm-hmm. Men's Society. Yeah. Malcolm X. Yeah. New Jack City. For sure. Uh, uh, Poetic Justice. Yep. Um, House Party. And we're going to include, uh, I don't know how big of a fan you were, but I'm just going to include all three house parties in the one house party. What about Class Act? That goes in that yeah, list, too. That's the same, like, movie. Yeah. It's, the, it's, the, <laughs> the, 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 the kid and play universe. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, but we had that old man. Come on, man. They yeah, play fucking extended universe, bro. For reals, dude. That shit was brilliant, dog. They did that shit. They did it. They, they did, did it. it first. They had, like, they did a masterpiece, though. They had, like, we got two summers, man. Yeah, <laughs> make this shit count. So we got uh okay, so all the house parties. Um um I won't get into any obscure ones. I'm gonna throw it out, I'm gonna throw this one on here. Vampire in Brooklyn. Sure. I mean, for reals. Uh if you have not seen that, I'll watch that with you right now. No, I've uh, definitely seen it a bunch of times. For reals. Ahoy, motherfucker! <laughs> that shit is great. Okay. Um Friday. Obviously, on every list. Um, players ball and uh, number one easy number one um, hold up I already easy number one uh, one more one more you know I'm gonna I'm gonna name the one I haven't seen just because like for obvious reasons love and basketball sure that's a good one yeah um, so are these like Oh, I'm gonna change that I'm gonna change that one out. Posse. Oh yeah. Posse's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Um we, we're just talking just, just black movies that we've all seen. So what's your top ten? Um I think number one for me would actually be Coming to America. There you go. Um I can't believe I forgot that one. So yeah, Coming to America, and then you got actually I mean I can we just put Eddie Murphy '90s run as one yeah. as one dude? Because yeah. psh, the vampire in Brooklyn was just the, that, yeah, all, yeah. all of that. Eddie Murphy in the '90s, bro. And it's actually funny, kind of going off top real quick, but I'm gonna include these movies in here. Damon Wayans. I saw a meme the other day that had like all the posters from he did in the '90s. Yeah, Bulletproof, fucking uh, 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 Last Boy Scout. 
Very uh, underrated uh, movie, uh, dude. Black, Blank Man, fucking, dude, stop. Major Pain. He was killing it. He had a good run, a good little run in the 90s. So, to Hollywood just didn't know to do it. List, so, Blank Man was great. Very uh, underrated. <clears throat> Meteor Man. Because I, I like superhero films. So, yeah. Blank Man and Meteor Man, bro. Those, that, that was that one-two combo that hit me like, oh, man, black heroes. What? Now, Blank Man obviously was on some corny shit. That movie's like that movie. You know what? Up. When I was younger, when those movies came out, man, I was... I saw what they were doing, and I didn't, you know, I didn't fully understand how important right. these movies were. Yeah, but I remember I was excited because mm-hmm. like everybody was in the motherfucker. For sure, saying everybody, Definitely. and I, I wanted more of that. As a yeah, kid. yeah, it, it felt yeah. like like a cinematic home. Yeah, like it was our universe. Yes, and Bill Cosby was like fucking Thanos. Yes, <laughs> so, uh, the whole time. <laughs> so yeah, the Eddie Murphy. Uh, oh, oh, but one thing, one thing. I'm sorry, that I want to say about that. The one thing that I didn't like about those movies was that the white dudes got to be like super powerful and look cool. Sure. But like all our characters were like nerds and like niggas couldn't fight and niggas getting slapped up in the back. I like it was kind of emasculating to me because I was into our, you know, Schwarzenegger and Bruce Lee and all that shit. So I just I love those movies, but I just wish they went harder, you know. I mean, I could do an entire episode on Blake Man, and maybe we will. <laughs> yeah. But um as far as that it. movie goes, it's I think that's the reason why I love that movie <laughs> because of the fact that uh, was it was it Stacy Dash no, who was, or no was it Mark Voorhees who was the chick in that movie? Ah oh, man, I can't remember. I want to say I have to look that up. Stacy Dash was uh, Mo Money. Mo Money, yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, you know I, I, I'm all about the like the corny nerd getting the girl. Robin yeah. Givens, that's who it was. It's Robin Givens. Yeah, she had a run too. Yeah, she had a good run yeah. too. Um, all right, yeah, back to my list. So you have uh, Eddie Murphy Universe, uh, Blank Man, Meteor Man combo, um, Menace to Society, Boys in the Hood, uh, Point of Justice, that little, you know, Black Oppression run. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, uh, the scary movie, first one, scary movie. I consider that a black and, film. Yeah, and Marley, Marlon Wayne's, um, just the whole comedy aspect of that. So scary movie. And that whole um, was that the Marlon Wayans universe when he was doing all those goofy comedy movies. Yeah, and suppose um, hustle and flow definitely. I think is the definitive rap movie, hood movie, basically. Yeah, because that's like when Hollywood took that shit seriously, put yeah. Terrence Howard and fucking all this money behind it, and you got amazing film. But that was after the success of uh, uh, that was after Eight Mile and Get Rich and That Triumph. Yes. And there it is. Eight, eight, eight Mile, I would actually, Eight Mile would be on the list, but Eminem's not black, but he gets an honorary black hood pass. But not, I mean, eight, that's the honorary mention, Eight Mile. But that movie's white as fuck, though. So. And get rid of that trying. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I saw it, but I, I wouldn't put it on like a required viewing list. For sure. Yeah, I, I think that, movies. like, it's not something that I would recommend to people. Um, but uh, let's see where I'm at. Uh, so, what did I leave off? I did the Boy of Justice, um, Boys in the Hood, Vanessa Society, Eddie Murphy, the Eddie Murphy Universe, Blake Man, Meteor Man, um, Five Heartbeats, uh, The Temptations. Basically, same movie. Any black biopic, biopic about fucking a band. You know what we're missing? Hmm. Dead presence. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. She hasn't seen that. That was supposed to be her Halloween movie. She hasn't seen Dead Presence. And that's one of those films like we were talking about. And that's John Singleton, if I'm wrong, or is it the Hughes Brothers? Hughes Brothers. Yes. Um, that's one of those things where we talk about iconic imagery. Mm-hmm. You say Dead Presidents, it'd be I see the, the white painted face, right? Yeah, um, definitely for sure. Uh, I feel like there's a movie that I'm not thinking about that I'm going to think about after this list and be like, oh, shit. Um, we also been working on for Blackfish. I'm actually getting, like, weapons because, like, I don't want to say too much about it, but, like, you know, it's a generational thing. It's kind of like, um, you know who, uh, The Phantom. Remember The Phantom? Mm-hmm. Right? How this shit's passed down every generation? That's how Blackfish is, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, he has these gauntlets that are actually, like, slave shackles that I'm getting made for the... For That's the... the- yeah. Uh, Color Purple. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that movie changed my fucking life. And, uh, yeah. 
My mom made me watch that. As a Every kid. black kid had to watch that shit with his mom. Yeah. Roots, not even so much. I was going to say Roots, but no, Color Purple. That, that was a movie that was like, psh, here you go, bro. But I was blessed. My mom, she made sure that I watched her required viewing of black movies. So on that list, we got movies like Malcolm X, mm-hmm. Glory. Glory. Ah, yes, Glory. For sure. I saw New Jack City in the theaters with my mom because she didn't really know how to explain dope to me. You know what I'm saying? And I like I didn't really understand why I was watching That's this it. shit. How, how old were you when you had to go see New Jack City? I'm the same age as you, so however old you were when that shit came <laughs> out, bro. So the first, dude, I'm a kid, dog. I'm like, what, Sorry. six, seven years old. My cousin. She had to teach the streets that she's. Well, my cousin had just gotten murdered, man. My cousin had just gotten that's, murdered that's, over that's over it. over some dope shit. And when a, you know, the movie opens up, man, it's like a, a butt ass naked black dude on the street. You know what I'm saying? And then he gets shot. You know what I'm saying? It's like and that's how you kill somebody in broad daylight. And I'm watching this shit, seeing Chris Rock. First of all, I was a huge SNL fan, right, at the time, because you know I was married, so. You know, Adam Sandler, Chris Farley, that whole 1991, Dana Carvey, 92, get like, I was a huge fan from the beginning. So seeing Chris Rock die in that scene as a kid was traumatizing to me, you know? Yeah. You know, it was like, that was a scare. And that's, boom, there it is. That's horror to me. Seeing your heroes die? Not even that. Or just being. Well, when we're talking about like black trauma, you know? Seeing your heroes be inferior. That, yeah, that, but I think the biggest thing was more so like the reality of it because, you know, I forgot a little bit older, Freddy Krueger and Jason and things like that, they weren't scary to me. Crack cocaine, that was something that was happening in my neighborhood. People were actually getting killed in my neighborhood. Yeah. So seeing someone that I love like Chris Rock die like anybody else, that was terrifying. It makes you think about, did you have you seen the scene where Kendrick Lamar plays a crackhead in power? Yeah. And everybody was talking shit about it. And it's like... I thought it was brilliant. For, for me, but I don't know, it's, like, it's almost the same issue, though. It's like, man, like, Kendrick Lamar, like, I, up to that point, was basically, like, this uh, black angel of uh, black hope in this, you know what I'm saying? Then you see him... Reduced to this. It's almost like black man wearing a dress, right? Black man playing a crackhead. I would never play a crackhead on camera. No, nah, I wouldn't either. You know what I'm saying? But if you want that sweet power money, right, the stars money where the fuck he's getting... Or that, just that chance to be seen, right? Well, I mean, it's, it's things, you know, the things we do to get our foot in the door. And Denzel Washington, he said it best. He said, in choosing your career, once you get on this path and you're actually going to be seen, be very careful of the roles that you pick in the beginning because they'll define the rest of your career. You know, and he even talked about yeah, this, for sure. this one movie he couldn't be in, and, and like he, he called the script, <laughs> he, he called it the, the nigga that couldn't die, <laughs> because it's like in the movie they hang him, they shoot him, they beat him, like you know. And he's looking at the script, and he's like, "No, man, I'm not, I'm not doing this." And um, but there's always going to be someone that will, and there's always going to be someone that's going to pick up that money. And you know that's why I think like making our own stuff and like you know making Blackfist. If I choose to do a route where we, you know, we get we get a pop in a little bit more and people actually want to work with us, making something where we're confident, heroic men, you know, that's how I want you to see me. That's how it needs to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, I think about, and I, I'm realizing this as I didn't finish my list of movies because I was thinking about what you said about how your mom took you to go see New Jack City. Yeah. And then I thought about how my mom took me to go see, uh, and I don't think it was the first movie to go see, but it's the first one I can't remember. Uh, Men in Black. Mm. And I'm realizing now, because we didn't really go to the movies that often. Yeah. I'm realizing now that she took me to that movie because it was fucking Will Smith. Yeah. And he's a black fucking hero yeah. who doesn't die, who doesn't play a crackhead, who doesn't fucking like get his ass kicked throughout the movie. Like, is a fucking hero, right? She's probably proud to show you Yeah, that. exactly. You know what I'm saying? I'm realizing that like, kind of right now in this conversation where it's like, man, like, um, Will Smith is my one of my favorite actors of all time. And that, it's kind of that same reason where it's like I didn't really have a lot to look at that. You know, Wilson is not the same shade as me, but, you know, he's black enough. He's been through it. He understands. Yeah. Um, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Man, you know he's from Philadelphia, like, Doc. Yeah. For real. So um, that nigga had to fight. <laughs> right. And so I think about that where if, if you count uh, Will Smith movies, you know, Independence Day would definitely be on that list for me. I don't know. Uh, but is that, a, is that a black movie or is that just a, a white movie with a black lead? 
Right. It, it it's it's the latter. Yeah. Um, but I mean, as a black person, though, we're talking about culture. Come on, we support. If you got, it's it's require viewing if you're black. Like, look, come on, man. I was one of those people where I'm a, I'm a black cinephile. Like, sure. I remember all my black actors. Yeah, yeah. Even from the 70s. Oh, he was in that movie back with Louis Gossett Jr. back in 1972. Oh, shit. Oh, you know, I, I lose my mind, especially when I go back and watch 70s films and see cast that I saw in 80s shows and the 90s uh, shows. And it's like, oh, man, he was he was playing a pimp back in the... Damn, he was in Willie Dynamite. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? And making that connection... And really just appreciating this legacy. And that's what this is, man. Like, black film has been a part of America uh, since, what, the early 1900s. There was a black film studio in the 1920s that we don't even know about. A lot of those films are lost to time. And I want to look up some and, and, and try and see if I can find some. But At least there were some. Um, well, I just I'm just curious to see what our stories were in the 20s. You know, I just want to see what the damn scripts were. I just want to see what we were talking about. And what we're talking about now is like this trauma porn. That's what I want to break the cycle of. And with Black Fist and what we're doing with the Bond, what I like is that you're seeing a lot of different cultures. And it's not just an all black movie. There's black people in it. Would you consider Bad Boys a black movie? Yes. Yeah, even though it's like, well, when it's you have- basically two black guys playing Miami Vice with a Michael Bay influence? Well, what I can say... It was all black what, jokes. It was black cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Bad Boys. Because if you think about all three, bro, and then, like, Bad Boys 2, the soundtrack, dude. I mean, yeah. that huge, dude. Shake yourself there. Oh, come on. It was huge. And the culture itself. Shake yourself there reprise sad remix. I think that that was one of the few franchises that we had that you could say was definitely black black-led franchise and i think that that's what we're missing right you know for sure yeah i can't i mean right along shout out ice cube and kevin hart but it's not bad boys no no and no i i honestly I, i've never seen it i saw the first one and i was like this is this is i but it, it was so well it was so 90s that it almost was like man they didn't really even try to like make this like that's how i kind of felt like to, honestly man i'm gonna be i'm gonna be honest dog. i'm gonna be honest bro because if we're talking about black movies and and shit and the emasculation and shit like i watch everything from you know like my lens you know i mean i look at shit but then i look at shit and what was that movie um him and the rock when they were like intelligence uh Central- kevin hart and art rock yeah. yeah uh central intelligence Bro, he's like a fat kid and he turns... Yeah, 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 that movie, man. I saw that shit in the theaters with my homie, right? And, like, the scene... Kevin Hart was on The Rock's lap. And they kissed each other on the lips. And when I saw that scene right there, it was like watching visual buck-breaking in the theater. Because, like, okay, you would never see Arnold Schwarzenegger kiss... Hold on now. Jim Carrey on the lips in the movie. I mean, maybe, but it didn't happen. I'm just saying, they don't, you don't see Hollywood put their masculine leads in those kind of positions. I mean, you got broke that mountain. That was a drama. That I mean, that was also a risk that you haven't seen much since then. No, no, you haven't, but it, it, swept, it swept the awards. It doesn't mean it was well received critically. One thing I think is funny is how, like, being gay in a movie is a big deal now. Well, it almost feels like to get in the door, you have to be at least open to being bi. Like, that seems to be... Like, you know, sexuality, it feels kind of like how we look at states, blue and red. Like, the temperature of Hollywood in the 80s, we'll consider it red. Very misogynistic, very man, very male-driven. Now you would say the temperature of Hollywood is more... What color would you define it? Let's say pink. Sure. Way more pink than red. Or magenta. Ma- <laughs> <laughs> That's a hint, bitch. There you go. But not but that, but but like but if you want to be realistic about the politics, because you know that you need to know where you're at, right? Yeah. We saw a cat got fired, you know, just for talking crazy on set. You can't be just saying they have bomb and shit. You will lose your job. You know? And but you can still say nigga anytime you want. Depends on who you are. I mean Christian Bell can do it. 
Yeah, I mean, he can. But I mean, come on, you're, he's 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 bankable. He's he's gonna bring back the studio thirty million. You're a motherfucker. They gotta pay. I mean, I think about it. Will Smith. Will Smith had to be the nicest fucking guy of all time to be in the position that he was in. All I would say would be one situation where he was just like, fuck y'all on some Kanye West shit. Yeah. And his career would be done. Not done, but severely damaged, right? And then you, when you hear about He's how hard... Like the nicest dude in the world. When when his um, when his movies, when he was younger, when they didn't make what he, you know, because he had that run and it's like when he when he hit those... When uh, he stopped hitting that billion dollar mark. Yeah, I yeah, remember that shit. He would talk shit. He was really upset about the shit, you know? But... Yeah, like, he had nine hundred million dollar movies in a row, something like that. But at the same time... He did like seven pounds of shit. It's like him pushing himself to that level of success and then like seeing how was transpired into his marriage and the directions that his kids have taken. It's interesting because you have to ask yourself what's really the price of success. You know? Yeah. And I think actually this is a good spot to stop because we're at the one minute mark, one hour mark. All right. And, uh, yeah. Good conversation. So thanks for listening to... There will be more Will Smith talk later. Oh, I'm yeah. Sure. We're, we're definitely going to tear into Will Smith. Dude. <laughs> I, I, I was going to bring up all kinds of shit and I looked at the time. I got a lot to say about that, man. Nah, I love, love that dude, man. I'm not trying to talk shit. For sure. Um, but thanks for listening to episode three of the Impossible Claire podcast. You can find us on our respective social media channels, drawnander.com, and then you have uh, Ash Bridges at uh, facebook.com, uh, Ash Osaki at uh, YouTube. I'll try and upload these on my page, too. We'll try and work on that. And uh, Bridges, oh, no, Blackfist83 at Instagram. And we appreciate everybody who listens to these podcasts. We actually do have a following already, which is pretty awesome. I didn't even know that. We got, yeah, we got we got like a couple people listening to our show. Already, That's so. groovy. Well, shout out um, to you guys. Yeah, so we, we appreciate you guys listening. And you know, tell your friends, share the posts. And uh, there is a donation link if you guys want to help us out with our film, um, The Bond, and some subsequent films like Blacklist and everything else that we're working on. So yeah, we can really use. If you help. like what you hear, and you know, help help a brother out. We appreciate you guys. And uh, we're gonna keep it insightful and keep it coming. So stay tuned and. No, stay safe and wash your hands. Peace. Stop, but.